Good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta. You know, we just passed the anniversary of Tiger Woods' uh, fall from grace. Um, and uh, he was, of course, uh, in, in the eyes of the world, he was restored to his greatness uh, uh, when he won his first major tournament in 11 years. He, he won the 2019 Masters. But I, the story of Tiger Woods uh, is a, in many there are many aspects to it that I think are fascinating. Um, I mean, this is a man who dominated golf uh, like nobody had before. I mean, we can talk about uh, Sam Snead or Arnold Palmer, uh, Jack Nicklaus, but but really, Tiger Woods was in a class by himself. He was the first sportsman to earn over a billion dollars. And among African-Americans, only Oprah had uh, top Tiger when it came to net worth. He, uh, you know, married this uh, beautiful Swedish model who, in four years of marriage, bore him two children. But all of that, all of that uh, human greatness wasn't enough to hold that Tiger. Um, And then on November of 2009, we learned that uh, Woods had been a philandering, uh, unfaithful husband. Several women came forward, and, and it, was, it was a tragic dismantling of what had been a really well-crafted image. Um, you know, he quickly went into a 45-day therapy program. He was divorced, uh, fell to number 58 as a golfer. I mean, that is a, that is a bad fall. You know, years before, he had uh, said, I believe in Buddhism, not every aspect of it, but most of it. So I take bits and pieces. Um, I don't believe, he said, that human beings can achieve ultimate enlightenment because humans have flaws. So, you know, Tiger Woods did realize that human beings fall short of all they were created to be. But there's a little sub-story here that I thought, from a Christian point of view, also made sense, and that is uh, on January 10th, about a month and a half after all the bad news broke about Tiger Woods, Britt Hume, uh, the political analyst and uh, former reporter, said on Fox News Sunday that uh, Woods would probably be able to recover as a golfer, but, quote, the extent to which he can recover as a person seems to me to depend on his faith. He's said to be a Buddhist, and I don't think that faith offers the kind of forgiveness and redemption that is offered within the Christian faith. So uh, Hume made an appeal. Tiger, turn to the Christian faith, and you can make a total recovery and be a great example to the world. Now, you don't hear this kind of thing happen, you know, on secular news programs very often, so that's why I remembered it. Uh, Of course, obviously, Buddhists weren't happy about that. I understand. But what's funny is that the the so-called non-judgmental mainstream press that didn't have a dog in this fight turned out as catty as you can ever, as anybody. I mean, they thought Hume, you'd get the impression that Hume had threatened to forcibly baptize Tiger's children. You know, Brit Hume's appeal to Tiger to uh, come to Christ was called ridiculous, denigrating, arrogant bluster, proselytization. 
apparently uh, Brit Hume had become a, a genuine threat to the stability of the Republic. Uh, interesting, unsatisfied, of course, with secularized government, the press apparently expects Christians to secularize their own political discussions. Um, look, does Christianity have resources that Buddhism doesn't? Well, yes. I mean, as a Christian who knows um, Christ's claims on our lives, yes, you can't avoid saying that. This is not a complete... This is not to deny that Buddhism has certain aspects of truth to it, but the real question always has to be, was Brit Hume right in saying that the Christian faith has um, the kind of grace that allows for repentance and redemption that Buddhism doesn't offer? Well, if you were to ask a Buddhist about this, they would say clearly Christianity offers something different than what Buddhism offers. Now, that doesn't mean they accept the truth of the Christian faith. It simply means they understand there's a, there is a major difference here. I mean, the one place where Christianity and Buddhism actually come somewhat close together is simply on the recognition of how, how uh, pervasive is human suffering. That's, uh, that's a key insight of uh, Buddha and, of course, Christians who understand that the suffering of this world and the sin of this world cost God his own son. So suffering is at the heart of our understanding of what reality is. But, you know, John Paul II had written on this. I mean, he said, the doctrines of salvation in Buddhism and Christianity are opposed. Carmelite mysticism begins at the point where the reflections of Buddha end. He, he wrote this in Crossing the Threshold of Hope. So, you know, Hume's theological instincts were right. Uh, it's not a put-down. It's, it's making it very clear that there are different offers. And as John Paul II said, the doctrines of salvation in Buddhism and Christianity are opposed. They, they teach a very different way of union with God. And then he went on to say, Carmelite mysticism begins at the point where the reflections of Buddha end. So, I mean, let me clarify a little more. I mean, Christianity offers forgiveness from sin, and through that, it offers union with an infinite personal God who is love, a God who created a good world— that we are supposed to steward and develop. Buddhism, on the other hand, offers an impersonal nirvana, impersonal nirvana, gained after repeated reincarnations. You are to seek perfect detachment from the world because your attachment to the world is what produces suffering and evil. So the Christian experiences forgiveness, redemption, and union. The Buddhist experiences karma, reincarnation, and the self-absorption into ultimate being. Even comparative religion scholar Stephen Prothero snidely agreed with Hume. He said, you know, you have the law of karma, so Woods is going to have to pay for whatever wrongs he's done. There's no accountant in the sky wiping sins off your balance sheet like there is in Christianity. In Asian religious philosophy, karmic doctrine, karma, really 
puts together. That's the one thing that really flows through Buddhism and Hinduism and Jainism and Sikhism and Taoism. It'd be no exaggeration to say that the one concept which distinguishes uh, Indian philosophy from European philosophy is the concept of karma. So karma is that iron law of the universe which teaches that what you sow is what you reap. This is this is an ironclad law. There's no grace um, that can set aside uh, one's misdeeds, one's sin. Uh, this is a perfect uh, justice, you might say, that what, what you sow is what you reap. That, that proverbial statement of Jesus, what you sow is what you reap, is turned in Asian philosophy, is turned into an ironclad law of the universe. And that's quite different than the way Jesus uses the phrase, what you sow is what you reap. Because within Christianity, we also know that because of God's grace, we end up able to reap a lot more good than we could ever sow. But not, that's not true in uh, Asian religious philosophy, especially Hinduism and Buddhism. And, you know, this is a little far away from Tiger Woods, but my, my point is that there is a very different view of God, uh, a different view of salvation, a different view of a Savior, and a different view of our responsibility uh, between Hinduism, Buddhism, and Christianity. Uh, for instance, reincarnation, it, it, karma demands reincarnation. So this iron law of karma means what you sow is what you reap. Since you end up sowing a lot of um, bad karma, right, uh, you know, because we all fall short of perfection, so you're going to always be reaping misdeeds, then you have to come back in another incarnation, right? You have to be born again uh, to come back into another human body in order to kind of offset that karma. And um, Catholic Church teaches, the scriptures teach, historic Christianity teaches uh, that it's appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. There's no, no reincarnation within historic Christianity. Uh, the Catechism of the Catholic Church puts it this way, death is the end of man's earthly pilgrimage. Uh, it's the end uh, of the time of grace and mercy which God offers him so as to work out his earth, in his earthly life um, his ultimate destiny. When the single course of our earthly life is completed, we shall not return to other lives. It is appointed unto man to die once. There is no reincarnation after death. Again, Catechism of the Catholic Church there. Within Christianity, <clears throat> our destiny is resurrection, not reincarnation. And uh, these things, these two, just on the level of idea, these two things are clearly opposed. In, in Christ, God demonstrates to us that he is most intimately involved and aware of our sufferings. Christ submitted himself. Think about this. God isn't, you know, some abstract entity uh, watching us as we sow misdeeds and then reap misdeeds and then go through the process of reincarnation to try to work off our bad karma. 
No, God enters human experience. Christ submits himself to the same historical process of suffering and victimization that we all endure. He also vindicates the the worthiness of this process by rising from the dead and showing us that all the suffering is ultimately worth it. You know, all the painful toil of this world will have been fruitful for those who are in Christ Jesus. Uh, This, again, is a very different gospel than the gospel of Buddhism. So, Brit Hume, for all of the uh, attacks that he underwent for offering repentance and forgiveness to Tiger Woods, Brit Hume was on the money. And on this, you know, 10 years since the fall of Tiger Woods, we're glad to see him back in golf, but the offer of uh, repentance remains.